0: Hey guys, did you know that 72% of client unhappiness is directly attributed to a lack of communication during projects? The team over at BuildBook has solved that problem once and for all with a tool that keeps all the conversations and decisions between you, your team, and your clients in one place. Their simple, powerful app helps you create daily logs, schedule and manage your client tasks, keep track of selections, process change orders, and so much more. I met the BuildBook team in Vegas at IBS earlier this year, where they were chosen as a finalist for the most innovative construction tool of 2020, which is saying a lot considering how many tools are actually out there. If you're looking to remove the stress from your projects, make your clients happier, and increase your profits, they're offering a special deal to all BuilderFunnel Radio listeners. Hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777 for a free trial of the software plus 45% off the first year. There's absolutely no risk to try it, so go ahead and hit pause and text BUILDBOOK to 33777 to take advantage of the trial and score the 45% off. This deal isn't available anywhere else, so I recommend at least trying out the software. All right, let's dive into today's show. Hey, guys, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 106. But uh, before I get into today's topic, I wanted to share a big announcement with you guys. My wife and I are having our second child and it is another boy. So we're going to have two boys and the due date is October 29th. The reason I'm mentioning this to you is because I want you to do me a favor. If you're a parent, I want to hear your best piece of parenting advice. I'm still a rookie. so. Shoot me a text, 719 626 8760, and just let me know your best piece of parenting advice. I can always use more of that. So, again, it's 719 626 8760. I'd appreciate the help. Um, We're going to have our hands full pretty soon here. All right, so let's dive into today's topic. And I wanted to talk about. Some of my top leadership and business lessons. Um, Right now, we're in the middle of our second Builder Funnel Academy launch, which I definitely recommend you checking out. You can uh, learn more over at slash join. And I've been thinking a lot about how to pack as much value into the Academy as possible. And as we've been thinking about that, it really got me thinking about just my whole business journey and I feel like I'm still early in that journey but it's been over 10 years now so I'm just going to pull out the top 5 things that have really that I feel I've made the biggest impact on my business and I hope that these things will have a really big impact on yours as well. One of the things that I've done over the years is just try to learn from other people and I did that early on because I had no experience but now that I have A decade of experience, I feel like, hey, I can share a lot of my mistakes or missteps or things that have worked well. And hopefully those will act as shortcuts for some of you guys. That's the cool thing about being a business owner and entrepreneur. I feel like we all are on our own journeys and we can all learn from each other because we're all going to make different mistakes and have different paths. And those lead to different lessons. So here are mine. Uh, The first one is really that concept of delegating early and often and i think i was slow to delegate sometimes i felt like i had to do it or it was just going to be faster or better if i did it and it it just took me too long to realize that every time i told myself that then it just took me a lot longer to actually pull myself out of whatever that task was or that responsibility and so However, the caveat to that was that I would say, don't delegate revenue producing activities early on. And that is, again, a mistake I made. I didn't think of myself as a salesperson. And so, I always tried to hire for that or outsource that because I didn't want to get on the calls and didn't want to talk to people. And um, I'm naturally introverted. So, you know, the marketing part of it was just a lot more fun. And I could just, you know, work on projects by myself, I didn't have to talk to a lot of people, I could get this information, you know, out to people kind of at scale versus that one to one on the phone. But that really slowed me down early on, looking back on it, you know, just trying to hire for that sales position. And ended up striking out several times, you know, and we just we had some years that we we could have grown a lot faster. We've been fortunate enough that we've grown, I think every year but one, one we kind of held flat or we were just shy of, of uh, moving ahead. But gosh, we would have we would have gone so much faster. So I would say delegate early and often, but don't delegate that revenue producing piece, you know, if it's definitely not sales. I think marketing you can to a degree, but even that I would still want to have my my hand in it, my time in it pretty significantly, because those are the things that really drive your business forward. But do delegate production and admin functions. you know. So operations, once I actually let go of that piece pretty much entirely, that helped us scale so much faster. I think this year we're on pace for, I think about 40%. We'll see where the year ends up. And that's been through this pandemic year, crazy year, lots of stuff going on. But that was because it's been a little over 12 months, close, maybe closer to 18, that I really started thinking about removing myself from that operations position. And I realized that freed me up for even more revenue producing activities. So that's going to be you know, marketing and sales. And so it makes sense logically, but man, it was really tough to let that go. And so I would say as you're thinking about things to delegate, you know, delegate almost everything that you can other than those revenue producing activities. And then I think that next level will be delegating some of those things. So for me, sales might be the last piece to go or, or potentially marketing. I think it depends on that owner and where your strength is. I think my strength is in marketing. So I might actually try to make that the last piece to go. But if you're really strong in sales, you may make that piece the last to go and you may make marketing kind of that second to last to go. But I think do those things as fast as you can. That's that next phase that I'm thinking about as we go into the next um, year or two is what are the next levels of delegation that I need to get to? And so whether that's a personal assistant or somebody in the sales role or at least uh, doing a lot of the sales admin type of activities, those types of things that again, I can just continue to try to maximize my time. So anyway, that is that first lesson, I think, many of them wrapped up into it, but delegate early delegate often and don't delegate the revenue producing activities. And also don't forget to check out Builder Funnel Academy. If you want to learn more about the process that we've been using, that's really allowed us to grow 40% 40% or around that uh, mark. We'll see where the, end, the year ends up. But this value-driven marketing process that we talk about all the time, I feel like it was just setting us up for success for this year. Everybody's you know accelerated to online, whether it's online marketing, online sales, any of those types of activities. But we were in a good position to do that. And I think primarily just because of the style of marketing that we use. So if you want to check that out, it's builderfunnelacademy.com slash join. The doors are open now. They will be closed here in a couple of weeks, and they won't be open until probably Q2 of 2021. So next lesson thing I was thinking about really was Investing in personal growth and knowledge. And if you followed me for a little while, you know I'm a big reader. And I started reading really after college. I remember going to a, a Barnes and Noble and I started just going down the the aisles and I had just started my business. I was doing it nights and weekends in the digital marketing space. And so I just started picking up books and it was um you know on marketing on sales on leadership i was starting to think a lot about just business topics i started reading about personal finance investing real estate investing all these different types of things and i realized gosh there's so much good information out here and i get to pick you know whatever i want to learn about and i feel like in college it was kind of like oh i got to read this book i got to read this book and it i realized it was because i never got to pick but you know, if you're a business owner, and you're, you're working on things like you can pick those topics that are going to help you. And so really, over the last several years, I've made it a a big focus of mine to read somewhere between 35 and 50 books a year. And those are all in that kind of personal growth, development, investing, business, leadership, that kind of space. And that has just had a compounding effect on my life. I feel like ever since I, I went to that first Barnes & Noble and just started picking up books and, and reading them and you know whether it was how to run an effective meeting or how to be a leader or whatever the topic was, it's been amazing just how that stuff compounds. And even if you don't use every single detail out of every single book, which is really tough to do, especially when you're reading close to a book a week or at least a couple books a month. But you do kind of subconsciously start adopting these things. And then you actively start putting at least some of those things into practice. And they start to make a huge difference. And then you realize you get three, four five years down the road, and you're going, Oh, yeah, we do this because of that book, and this because of that book, and you kind of make it your own. And you start to kind of develop your own philosophy on some of these things. But man, there's they're nice shortcuts. So kind of going back to what I said earlier, which is, you might as well learn from other people that have gone down this path, even if your path looks different. So investing in that personal growth and development has been huge. And I also made a commitment to go to conferences, you know, and those can be those can be a bear. You know, they're sometimes expensive to go to. It's travel time, it's hotels, it's flights, it's food, it's the ticket price. And then those are all days away from you know, actively working in the business. And so it feels like it can really, you know, be a lot, a lot to ask. But what I found is that that time away and just time to learn and kind of decompress and digest that information, it's huge. It it pays big dividends. So I definitely recommend going to industry conferences, you know, even if it's just one a year where it's a, you know, a whole week and you're just going to be there learning that's huge but if you can get a couple in a year those will make a big difference and then i also would apply that first piece of investing in yourself with books and knowledge to your team you know and so i buy books for the entire team we have a, a meeting here that we do monthly and we vote on a book to pick as a team and it's got to be in that kind of personal growth development leadership marketing realm. But then we read it, and we talk about it, and we share what's working or what we're going to implement. And over the years, as you can imagine, reading a bunch of books every year, we've built a pretty good library here at Builder Funnel. And so um, the team can check out books from that library anytime they want. And you know, it's a really advanced checkout process. They say, hey, I'm going to grab this book. And I say, great, bring it back when you're done. But it's awesome because it kind of fosters that Mentality for everybody, you know, to always be learning and always be growing. And we take the team to conferences too. We try to get uh, them involved in that learning. And so it's not just for, you know, the owner, which is it's a critical piece. But it's also critical that everybody on the team is leveling up and they're improving and they're getting better as people and they're improving their skills. And that's just going to flow into the output of your service and your product and your Client experience and all those types of things. So, definitely, I'm a big believer in that. And then I've even taken a step further and done a lot of um, personal finance and budgeting classes for our team because I feel like that that is a personal, I guess, passion of mine. But also something that part of my lifetime vision is to get that education into schools and into you know junior highs and high schools and that age range because. So many people get out into the world and don't know how to deal with money, manage money, set themselves up for success. And so, part of what I feel like I can give to my team is some information and some knowledge and some action items around that area. So, that's a personal passion of mine. But you might think about some things that maybe where you're stronger, where you get excited about, and you could pass that down and just do little education systems or meetings or whatever it looks like. It can be random, it can be occasional, but. I found that that those are appreciated and had some really cool discussions come out of those types of things, and I think when it comes to investing in the team, I know there's that that statement which is, you know what if I spend all this money on my team or my people and they leave and it's a valid question, you know, because you can end up putting a lot of time, a lot of money into people's personal development, but I love the the flip side of that, which is what if you don't invest the time and the money and the resources and they stay and they stick around and they don't get better, you know, then it's going to be really, really tough to move forward. And so that's what I always think about. And I just go, you know, that's kind of part of doing business Is I'm saying, Hey, I'm trying to build an environment where we have people that want to get better. They want to improve. And if some of them improve and they grow and they find, Hey, it's time for me to move on to another opportunity or go try something else hey that's just kind of part of their journey and so and everybody that stays they're all going to be getting better and we're our company is going to be getting a lot better and so the trade-off seems seems well worth it so that was the second thing it was really just investing in growth and knowledge and not just for yourself but your entire team If you've followed Builder Funnel for even a little bit, you know we're huge believers in the inbound marketing methodology. One of the most important phases is the client delight phase. By delighting customers, you turn them into promoters of your business and your brand. The only way to get people to go out of their way to sing your praises is to wow them throughout the process. This is something the guys over at Billbook are helping you do. Better communication leads to better outcomes. And that means communication at every level daily logs, client selections, punch lists, and change orders. Today, that communication gets super fragmented between email, text, and phone calls, and inevitably things fall through the cracks. With BuildBook, everything funnels through one simple app, keeping everyone on the same page and your clients filled with delight. No more digging through texts or random emails looking for client approvals. Just one place to see everything going on with a project. And as a reminder, they're offering a special deal to all Builder Funnel Radio listeners. Hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777 for a free trial of the software, plus 45% off the first year. All right, let's get back to the show. The third thing as I was thinking about all this was that action is greater than perfection and planning forever. You know, so... I'm a huge planner. I love to forecast and extrapolate. And my wife always teases me about it because I'll just say, oh, well, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's see, let's see if we scaled this out. Let's get out the Excel sheet and we'll just kind of drag the cells out three years and go, oh yeah, if we do X, Y, and Z, like we'll be at, you know, four million or 10 million or whatever it is. And but then, you know, at that point you're going, okay, well, how much planning do we really need to do? And I like mapping out the steps and, you know, seeing what it takes to get there. But I feel like I'm always fighting that uh, kind of inherent laziness. You know, I feel like it's, that's the fun part is the planning. You know, oh, okay, I can sit down, I can whiteboard, I can draw stuff out. I can imagine the future. I can just sit at my computer and, and do all these calculations. And like, for me, that's fun. But what I've realized is at the end of the day, that, takes you like an inch you know <laughs> you're going okay well now i have this idea of the future but that's not going to get you there like you have to just create massive action to follow that up and so what i've realized is that taking action is much better than the perfect plan because things are going to change you know the economy is going to get shocked you know something crazy will happen something will happen with a team member you know, you'll have somebody leave and you'll go, I don't know, this threw everything off. And so having a plan, having a direction is good. And and even mapping out a few of the steps, or at least your first couple of moves, I think is, is really good too. But then after that, like, it's just getting to work, you know, and getting after it. And so that's something that I've realized is you really just have to learn to become a doer and become action oriented. And if it's not perfect, and you ship it, like you'll you'll figure it out. You'll make the adjustment. You'll make the change. And so I think you know as I reflect back, I, I've spent a lot of time planning. I wish I would have spent a little less time planning and turning that into action time. Uh, I'm not saying don't do any planning, <laughs> but things change and you can't. You almost can't map out five years today. You know, and I think there's a lot of books that kind of had that like one, three, five-year plan or one, three, 10-year plan. And you're going, okay, it's nice to have like a, a stake in the ground 10 years out of what that looks like. But every couple of years, you almost have to totally change that because things could look completely different. So I like having that, that one-year marker and a lot of action steps and then maybe like a three-year marker of like, what could this look like? And then you're just continually updating those and changing those. So that was one thing that I think is just a... a Big lesson to, as I was reflecting back on, just spent a lot of time planning that could have been in in action mode. The fourth thing is to always be profitable. Now, I know in some industries, you know, like software, that may actually not be a great strategy because maybe you're trying to get to a certain user base and you're trying to scale so that you can hit an IPO or get acquired or whatever it is, and so profitability maybe isn't the main target, but uh, I think in our type of business or in a service business, you know, that's really critical, you know. And I think that goes along with being a good budgeter and you know saver or investor on the personal side too. And so, you know, you can you can save money on thirty five grand a year or forty grand a year and you can invest some of that. And so if you don't develop those habits when your income is smaller or your company is smaller, your revenue isn't as big, if you don't develop the habit about how to be profitable when you're small, it's just as hard to do when you get bigger because you end up just spending it on something else or you're trying to get to the next level. And so I think that commitment to... Staying profitable. And that's something I think I'm fortunate enough that that was just kind of ingrained in me from a young age to be a saver. You know, we talked about money, my parents did when I was younger, and we had, you know, an allowance and we had to save half of it. And, you know, it was like, oh, good, now I have $2 to go buy something. But that really just taught me some of those basics around saving and not. You know, I guess uh, deferring that instant gratification of buying the next toy or video game or whatever it was, and so that really set me up for success as I, you know, started earning, you know, regular income and started the business. You know, you look at those things. You know, okay, what are what are we committing to from a savings perspective and investment perspective? And that really has made a big impact on uh, where we are today and the position we were in going into. This whole pandemic and all those types of things, like we 're still a, a small company in the grand scheme of you know the country and you know how many people there are and how many large companies there are but it was it was a nice spot to be in to watch all these big, big companies, you know like Boeing and you know whoever else, and they're laying off thousands or tens of thousands of people, and we're sitting here going. Hey, we we're, we're going to be all right. You know, we we've got a team of I think at the time it was 10 or 11, I think we're closer to 16 or so now. But it was nice to go into all this telling the team, "Hey, you know, we're not invincible, but we got a really good shot to, you know, do no layoffs." And and that really was a product of, you know, being profitable and saving and building cash reserves. We've talked a lot about that on the building a family business show with my dad, uh, Wes, and my uncle Brooks. So if you haven't checked out those, those release every Friday, definitely tune in and and check those out. But, you know, building that operational expenses runway, you know, and we're not quite to to where we want to be, but having that set aside gave us that confidence to keep charging ahead. Um, we were more cautious, but we still stayed more on the aggressive side. And we, we cut back and skinned up in a couple areas. But we really kind of rocketed through all this. And so I think that looking back on everything is is one thing that I'm really glad we did. And I think if you make that commitment, wherever you are in your journey to just staying profitable, looking at that P&L every month and going, okay, are we moving ahead? Are we moving ahead? Are we setting this money aside? Are we are we ready for something? And, and that's been huge. And the other thing about that too, is that you're paying yourself a market equivalent salary. So you want to make sure you continue to maintain that. So if your business is small, that salary might be smaller, you know, and then as you grow, you'll increase that salary and try to make that market equivalent because that'll give you a true picture of your financials and how things are shaking out and then you can commit to profitability. So if you're overpaying yourself And then you're not profitable or you're losing money every month, then like you just get all out of whack. So I'd say as you scale, like that's some of the incentive to scale is that you're going to increase your personal lifestyle and your personal salary. But if your company isn't that big, then you probably, you know, aren't earning that much. And so you're going to be moving up over time, but then that allows you to stay profitable again. So then when you get to that next level, you've built up some operating expense reserves and so i think that that one's a big one you know just commit to profitability pay yourself a market salary and then you can stay profitable as you scale and then the the final thing is that i like to think of you know this this business engine it could be your you know business engine and i know a lot of you listening are business owners but if you're not the owner you know it's your your personal income whatever that is that's your your operating engine, use that to invest in assets. So once you've committed to being profitable, so that's either your business profitability or on the personal side, that's your savings rate, you know, so you're committing to not blowing all of your money on lifestyle. And as you grow your salary or as you grow your profitability, you know, Take that money and and invest half of it. You know, invest half of it in something and then take the other half and increase your lifestyle. Like you can have both. And again, this is just my take on it. This is how uh, my wife and I think about it. Like if we earn more, then we're gonna, great, we're gonna have a little more fun, we're also gonna save and invest more. And if the business is doing better, great, we're gonna save a little more and then we can spend a little more on some things that we wanna do to improve the business. But if you're if you're paying yourself a market salary, you should be able to live on that and still save and invest some of that money. But then take at least, you know, half that business profit and invest it, you know, have some of it set aside in cash for those operating expenses, but then invest it. And that's really what will create that financial freedom for you. Now, I'm not totally financially free yet. But I do know it's only a matter of time based on the tech, the steps that I'm taking, and that I just outlined, you know, you're basically converting active income to passive income and then you're just working for the enjoyment of it. You know, I'm I'm seeing that, you know, the system of building on and progressing towards financial freedom gives you a lot of confidence. You know, I'm 33 and I'm forecasting that I'll probably hit that target in the next 3 to 7 years, you know, somewhere in that range. But I I'm, I'm not planning to stop working at 36 or 40 or whatever it is, but that gives you more time freedom. And I think that's really what a lot of us are after is more time freedom. And we can either work on the things that we want to work on, or spend the time with the people we want to or on the hobbies that we want to. I really enjoy my business. So I don't plan on stopping working in the business. I just want it to look a little different. I want to spend more time with my kids. I don't want to miss the games. I don't want to miss the activities or the school events or whatever that looks like. And so I've been, you know, really pushing towards trying to create a situation where I can create more time freedom. I probably won't ever stop working because it's fun and it's a mental challenge and I like growth and I like improving. But as I've been on this journey of, you know, if you think about back to the beginning, you pay yourself a market salary, you save some of that. Then you commit to staying profitable you build up your OPEX account, and then you can start investing that. And suddenly as you grow your business, your income, your personal income grows, your profitability grows, which is part of your personal income. But if you kind of think about them separately, then you can really start that flywheel going and you can start dumping more and more into assets and those assets start creating enough passive income to cover your lifestyle. And once you've hit that point, you know you're financially free, and uh, and so really, you can make a lot of progress towards that in in ten years. And uh, and I think for a lot of people that have businesses out there, like you could you could hit that marker in ten years. I've certainly made a lot of mistakes and and messed up in a few spots, or I should have been a little more aggressive in a couple situations. I tend to be more conservative, but I don't think we have to use that time frame and timeline of you know 60 65 for retirement. So anyway, I, I might do another podcast where I kind of do a deep dive into my whole philosophy on um, retirement and and what I think of that. But I guess for now this I'll, I'll wrap up this little section of just using your business engine, your personal income, your profitability as a business to invest in assets because a lot of us, you know, we're in a service-based business where it's also project based. So if you stop selling, you stop selling homes, you stop remodeling, you know, the income stops and there isn't necessarily a huge sellable asset there. So even if you build it up to 5 million, unless you have really really dialed in a sales process, marketing system and operating systems, it's going to be tough to sell and so you're not going to have this big cash out. And so really you have to use that income every single year to invest in something that's going to produce for you. So that's how I think about it. It's all about creating time freedom, which is the ultimate scarce resource. So there you go, guys. Those are my top five, I guess, lessons slash most impactful things that I've learned over the last 10 years working to build my business and invest in different assets. Again, if you guys are interested in checking out Builder Funnel Academy, the doors are open right now, they'll be closing in uh, I think a week or two by the time this goes live, builderfunnelacademy.com slash join. We've got a couple of sweet bonuses going this time around and then we'll shut the doors until uh, probably Q2 of 2021. Thanks again for listening, guys. Would love your feedback on this episode. If you have um, some thoughts or if you think similarly to uh, how you operate in your business and how you think about investing in assets, uh, that's definitely a, a personal passion of mine. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.